You're listening to episode 299, and I'm your host, Brittany Martin. It's Three's Company today. Today, I'm joined by Alex Mann Richardson from Cover My Meds, a healthcare company well-known in the Ruby community. Anne is a full-stack Rails engineer living in Austin. She loves hanging with her ladies in the local Women Who Code and Ruby on Rails meetups and is usually building some sort of side project. Alex is a software developer who mostly writes Ruby and JavaScript, but occasionally dabbles in Elixir and Crystal. He has enjoyed working with Ruby on Rails for the past four years. He currently lives in Fort Lauderdale, Florida with his wife and too many cats. Welcome to the show, Alex and Anne. Hey, thanks thanks for having us. Absolutely. Alex, let's start with you. What is your developer origin story? Yeah, so I'm a bit of a late bloomer into the software development field. Um, Like your previous guest, D.D. Lavender, I um, have a background in retail, but not from the entrepreneurial point of view. Um, I spent most of my time in retail operations, and I did that for about 10 years and um, needed to change. So um, this was back in 2012, um, and I didn't know I wanted to be a software developer back then. I just knew I wanted to get involved in something in 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 a tech field, so I just got a couple of certifications in IT, A+, and Net+, and that was just enough to get my foot in, into the door with a um, small e-commerce company down here in Fort Lauderdale, where I was doing a lot of different things, wearing a lot of different hats, because it was a small company, um, doing IT work and project management. Um, but what it did is it put me in contact with the .NET developers who worked there, and um, they taught me a little bit of SQL, because I was one of two people who had production access. And that was my first exposure to coding, was actually through SQL. And um, also, I was just looking at what they were doing on a day-to-day basis, and I thought to myself, these guys are having all the fun, there's no reason why I can't do that too. So I started teaching myself uh, JavaScript, um, just nights and weekends. And um, in 2015, um, a boot camp popped up here in Fort Lauderdale, and I did that. Um, It was a 10-week immersive course, quit my job to do it and learned a little bit of Ruby and um, got put into contact with some other hiring partners. And uh, from there got an apprenticeship um, at a small agency um, where I was working with Ruby on Rails and Angular. And from the rest is history. So like a lot of folks in tech, I don't have a CS degree and I did a lot of things before I came to my senses and started doing this work, which I really love. Um, So after about 10 years as a writer, editor, graphic designer with Database Envy, I did a tiny boot camp in New Orleans called Tech Talent South. It was eight short weeks and I was applying for two jobs as a junior developer and hey, I got one. So that was cool. Um, I was at this little agency and I felt like I was in way over my head. I had a lot of imposter syndrome heavy days while I was there, um, which I think a lot of folks might experience. Um, and then when we realized they didn't really have the skill set for, I mean, didn't have the work for my very young skill set, uh, we parted ways and I jumped in to build an MVP with a tiny startup. And then I wanted to, um, uh, just really go deep and broad on my skill set. So I started doing the Viking Code School curriculum, which um, if you've heard of the Odin project, it was the beefed up version of that. Um, I stumbled into some superb luck by meeting a person at RailsConf in Phoenix, who would end up being my mentor for the next year and a half. Um, I was doing contract work in Rails and then CMM reached out to me. And as of last Tuesday, I have been at Cover My Meds as a full stack dev for a year. That's an amazing story as well. Thank you both so much for sharing. 
So Cover My Meds, I feel, has been a big player in the Ruby and Rails space. But Alex, could you give us a little background on Cover My Meds? Sure. Yeah. So I think one of the best ways to understand what Cover My Meds does is to know a little bit about the problem that we're solving. And um, that has to do with something called prior authorizations in the healthcare space, which is something that I didn't know anything about before I started working at Cover My Meds. And basically what that is, is when a doctor prescribes a medication um, to a patient and the patient goes to the pharmacy and picks it up, the insurance company may push back and require that the um, the doctor provided some additional documentation as to to um, justify the um, the the medication. So some of the reasons, for example, would be like maybe there's a lower cost alternative. Um, maybe this uh, this is a drug that can be often be abused, or uh, maybe it's considered unsafe when combined with other other medications. There's a whole host of reasons why an insurance company might require a prior authorization. The problem is that before cover my meds is that this process is manual, laborious, paperwork intensive, a lot of phone calls, faxing back and forth, and it just takes, it can take weeks for a patient to to get the medication that the doctor's trying to prescribe them. Um, so the patient's the real loser in this whole process. So this is where Cover My Med steps in and automates a lot of this um, manual process and the prior authorizations and um, helps the patients get the medications that they need in a, in a much more timely manner. And so what we do is we connect all of the um, interested parties. So that would be prescribers or doctors, um, pharmacies, um, pharmaceutical companies, as well as, um, oh, I'm blanking on it. Ann, help me out. What was the next? Okay. We've got patients, patients. <laughs> providers, which are doctors, pharmacies, pharmaceutical companies, and payers, which Perfect. is your insurance company. Wait, did I say that already? Um, sorry. Yeah. And the insurance company. <laughs> exactly. So we, we, we sit right there in the middle and we connect all these, um, all these parties together and um, facilitate the flow of information between them and um, help speed this process along so patients can get the medications that they need. That's amazing. And I love so much that uh, I just love the whole mission behind the company and I can see why it's so successful. So, Anne, would you mind giving us a brief explanation, just very high level of what the technical stack of Cover My Meds is? This is a fantastic question because um, we don't have a stack. We have stacks, plural. <laughs> <laughs> um, as Alex was just describing, the healthcare situation is pretty complicated and there are a lot of players involved. So um, we are broken into a number of microservices to help with that uh, separation of concerns. Um, so, Speaking, I have worked in one of the business units uh, called Provider, which is the doctors. Um, and I did an inventory recently of what the code bases were in the Provider business unit. And we are rocking Ruby, mostly. Um, and it's mostly Ruby. We're talking like, it's almost all Ruby, <laughs> which is fantastic. <laughs> but we also have some other players in there, such as PHP, some Elixir, some Python. We've got CoffeeScript for Backbone. We've got uh, JavaScript View. We even have a little bit of C Sharp and uh, Gherkin and Scala. Wow. So there are so many questions that are going to come from that. So the first <laughs> thing that I want to dig into is I think there's a real interest in the Ruby community around Elixir and whether or not people are using Elixir and Phoenix in production. And so I'm interested, um, how did that get introduced into your code base and how's it faring so far? 
Yeah, I, I can speak on that a little bit. Um, so Elixir came into it about a couple years ago, and um, basically there's, with all of the communication back and forth between, you know, providers and payers and et cetera, like there's just a need for high concurrency and also high availability. And um, so Elixir is a natural, it's, it's kind of the right tool for the job, right? Um, for that kind of use case. And it's not that all applications that cover my meds require that kind of, um, that those kinds of performance characteristics, but there's some that do. So um, what ended up happening was um, uh, a couple of apps were built that were actually, they were the same app, but one was it, when Ruby, one was Elixir and they just wanted the benchmark it. And um, we were impressed with Elixir's performance characteristics and decided to go with that. Um, that and Elixir's a pretty cool name, so there's, there's that too. Um, so basically, it was just about finding the right tool for the job for, you know, the service that really demanded those kinds of performance characteristics, uh, high concurrency and high availability. Now, it's not that, that Ruby doesn't scale. That, that wasn't the case at all. Um, we know it does. We see it with GitHub, Shopify, Procore. These are all big Rails apps that have scaled very well. Um, it's just that, again, this is about choosing the right tool for the job. So... Um, so it was adopted uh, about a couple years ago, um, and it, you know it's like bringing in a new technology is it can be challenging anyway. So you know it, it wasn't necessarily there was a a little bit of pushback from it, but ultimately um, it made its um, presence, um, and we continued to use it. And there's more than just a single app. Uh, within cover methods that uses Elixir, there's several. So um, we're continuing to use it, um, and it is growing. And um, people, uh, our developers here, tend to enjoy it. Um, one thing to, to say about it too is that um, when we hire developers, we have no problem hiring developers who don't have backgrounds in Ruby or Elixir. Um, you may come from Java or C Sharp or or whatever. Um, but we provide the resources here to to learn these um, um, these languages, the, these these technologies on the job, um, and it's been going very well with Elixir, um, even though it's functional and um, a lot of our hires come from object-oriented programming backgrounds. It's uh, it's still been going well. Um, the syntax is is nice. Um, it's a very friendly syntax, so um, it tends to be um, it tends to be uh, easily adopted, I think, and. Um, uh, as far as like uh, finding people to to work on these apps, it hasn't been that difficult for us. That's so interesting. And what an amazing developer culture that you must have where you have the space to create two different apps in two different frameworks and really to benchmark and make sure that you're building the right thing for the right business case. Well, we try. <laughs> I think like a lot of things, um, our approach um, is iterative, right? We do, we try things and see how it works. And if it's, if we could improve it, we'll try in a different way. So what I saw from a job posting is that each business unit has all the rules needed to develop products. So can one of you explain to me how that works and whether or not you two actually interact with each other each day? Uh, also tricky. Okay. So, um, since we are, I mean, it is a separation of concerns. Um, that means a developer in one business unit is really focused on the work inside that unit. I mean, so far that that's been my experience. Um, we do have some challenges um, cross-pollinating sometimes. 
Um, and that's a that's a thing that we need to work extra hard at doing is making sure that folks in other business units are um, connected with stuff to make sure we're all still on the same page and working together and doing things efficiently. Um, so that is a challenge that we have to work on. I mean, that we are working on and it is, I think, I'm not sure how to make it not a challenge. <laughs> Interesting. And so are you two in the same business unit or are you in different business units? We are in different business units. Oh, so yeah. this is like a homecoming of a sort on the podcast. <laughs> it, it, it kind of is. It's it's a funny thing because we actually uh, didn't meet at Cover My Meds. We, we met at RubyConf. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So um, we're both remote employees. So, um, but, you know, we go back to, we go to Columbus, Ohio on occasion. Um, you know, that's where the uh, Cover Meds is based. But um, yeah, we actually met at RubyConf. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, I have more questions about the developer culture and microservices on the other side of the upcoming break. This episode of the 5x5 Ruby on Rails podcast is brought to you by Mirror Placement. Hi, this is Brian Mariani founder of Mirror Placement, the Ruby on Rails-focused recruiting firm. I was Brittany's guest on this podcast a few months ago and loved hearing from so many of you following that appearance. So I'm back to say hi because the new year is often a time developers start looking for a new change or a fresh start, and uh, that can often be a job change. So if you're open to connecting, I'd be happy to share the inside scoop on how the Rails job market is shaping up for 2020. Spoiler alert, it's looking very strong. And uh, we have a lot of remote roles as well, more than ever, actually. And uh, I'm super excited about our remote roles. So if that fits your lifestyle well, we should definitely chat. And you know what? Even if you're not looking for a job right now or it's not a good time, no worries at all. I'd still love to connect and learn more about you. So when the time is right and the right company does cross my desk, we can send it your way in the future. I've always said you know, recruiting is all about long-term relationships and not pressuring people. So if you'd like to start a new conversation or rekindle an old one, I'd be thrilled to chat. Just shoot me an email at brian at mirrorplacement.com and we can set something up. Thanks for listening and happy holidays. Thank you to Mirror Placement for sponsoring the show. So I have a question. I know that Cover My Meds is very pro microservices. And so I'd love to know, how do you deal with the downsides of microservices? They tend to be harder to change, they can be expensive, and they can require a cultural shift. Yeah, uh, that's a good, that's a great question. Um, I come from a background where I only worked with monoliths before coming to cover my meds. And um, that definitely took some getting used to. I'm still getting used to it. Um, I've been at cover my meds for three months. And um, there is a, a there's additional complexity in some cases, um, in other cases, like the app that you're working on is more isolated. So the cognitive burden of just understanding the thing that you're working on can be less. However, once you bring in the dependencies of other services, then things start to get complicated, especially like your development environment. Um, and then when things go wrong, when you have incidents and you need to troubleshoot, then things get uh, basically the point is that you can't do it by yourself, right? You have different business units, different teams. And if something happens where you need assistance, you have to reach out to someone on another team to get that assistance. Because um, when you start building software on this scale, uh, it's just something that you have to do collaboratively with people of different expertise. So um, that's one thing that we do a lot at Cover My Meds is um, we do a lot of collaboration. So um, that's really 
the to to deal with the complexity and the difficulties of service-oriented architecture, I find that it's really it's about it's about proper collaboration and communication between people. Mm -hmm. Also, the expectation there is no expectation that one person will know all of the things. Um, it's expected that there is no one person who will know all of the things. So yes, we we definitely it's expected to reach out to other folks and have other folks jump in and help. It's just part of the way we work. People do. I mean, it's like, um, it, and it's not in any kind of grudging way. Um, from my experience so far, um, everybody's been more than willing to help if you reach out to somebody, or even if you don't reach out to somebody and um, someone who uh, has some context on what you're working on, sees that you're working on it and having a challenge, they will uh, step in and help you. It's a, it's a pretty cool thing. Very cool. So on that note as well, I know that Cover My Meds is growing really quickly and that you're expanding your remote workforce. And as both of you are remote, what is the remote culture like and what are the things that Cover My Meds is doing to foster it? I think it's pretty good. <laughs> That's my opinion. Um, there, we do a lot of pairing. So as we've been talking about, we collaborate a lot with other folks. Um, that organically makes things more social. Um, uh, I've been on teams where we do some pretty cool stuff. So we use Slack um, and we'll just open a call in a, in a public room and put a label on it and say, this is the thing I'm working on. And people hop in to work on stuff together. Uh, you can, by the way, you can start multiple calls in a channel in Slack. So oftentimes there will be several calls going on and people will come and go um, to do stuff. So that's, uh, that's, one way in which we are just working together remotely and it doesn't seem to matter that we are remote. Um, also, all meetings come with a link. Uh, we also use BlueJeans. So all of our meetings come with a BlueJeans link. That means that um, everyone can attend in any form. Um, also, since we are growing really quickly, that means that there are sometimes space problems in the office. <laughs> it is, it's not easy for people to get together physically um, so sometimes it just makes more sense to join a meeting remotely than to try to pile into a conference room or even schedule a conference room. Um, as a remote worker, I don't feel the pains of conference room scheduling, but I've heard people talk about the pains of conference room scheduling. How much of your engineering force is probably remote at this point and how many are in office? I don't know. Alex, do you know? I don't know that answer either, <laughs> um, but the team that I'm on, there are 12 software developers and a couple engineering managers, and it, the number right now, so 75% of us right now are remote. So um, I know that that's probably not the characteristic number for the entire company, but that might give you some idea. Like you'll have teams, I think, like ours that um, maybe uh, fall on one side or the other but um, there's quite a few of us who are remote. Mm -hmm. See, I take yeah. that as a really positive thing that you don't know the difference between an in-office person and a remote worker in Slack, because mm -hmm. they always say that if you can keep company communication onto a platform where everybody is treated equally, you shouldn't really know the difference. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, so far that's been my experience. Um, I mean, there are times that we need to work on it, <laughs> but we do, we say, hey, let's work on it. And sometimes we do things like play games. <laughs> <laughs> or do like a remote happy hour or something just to be social together um, a while apart. Yeah, th this is true. Like, uh, so remote work is is another new thing to me that I've been doing for the first you know, for for three months now. Um, and when I 
took the job at CMM, I, I kind of freaked out a little bit about it. I was like, oh my gosh, am I going to feel alone and isolated? Um, but that is absolutely not the case um, with all the pair programming that, that we do and the communication that we have. And, and like Ann said, the games. And even when we do special events like happy hours, they find a way to bring us remote employees in. And it's, it's, it's pretty cool. So I certainly have not felt isolated or alone in any way. Um, quite the contrary. That's wonderful. Well, I was lucky enough to see both of you at RubyConf, and I saw that CoverMyMed sponsored RubyConf. Is the company doing anything else to support the Ruby and Rails communities? Well, um, CoverMyMeds has been sponsoring Columbus Ruby Brigade and Cleveland Ruby Brigade for about 10 years. Um, also, we have a lot of employees um, who lead and speak for both groups. Um, and that's just in Ohio. There are also all of us remote folks <laughs> who are going to our own meetups in other places and um, helping folks with Ruby. Um, Cover My Meds has sponsored a few RubyConf events and uh, this past one, Nashville, where the three of us met, um, there were 20 of us from Cover My Meds. Um, also, we have a co-op slash apprenticeship program that helps people get into Ruby on Rails professionally. Wow, that's amazing. I mean, apprentice programs are something that I still think are relatively new in our industry. And just hear that a company that is so heavily into Ruby has an apprenticeship program is really exciting. Yeah, and we're also doing um, something slightly different from that. We have a program called the Stretch Program, and that is where we are um, helping some of our internal folks who have roles like um, managing accounts, if they want to get into tech, they could uh, join a developer team for a short period of time to start getting some of those tech skills and uh, work on projects and have some folks to work with. So um, we're doing a lot of different things. That's awesome. Well, I imagine that you have convinced some listeners that they would like to apply at Cover My Meds, and it sounds like you are hiring. Uh, do you have any details about what they should do? Sure, if you go to CoverMyMeds.com, you will find a link to the careers page um, and then you can do some filtering from there. Hey, come work with us. <laughs> <laughs> Either in office or remotely, which is really awesome that you have the options. So how can listeners follow both of you? Ooh, hardest question of the day. <laughs> I am not really doing social media anymore. But um, I do have a Twitter handle that I will check on occasion, um, and that is Lortz, L-O-R-T-Z. Yeah, I'm in kind of the same boat, too. Like, I'm not big on social media, but I do have Twitter, and you can reach out to me on Twitter um, at APMiller108. So I'm going to take a guess, then. The best way for listeners to reach you is probably to apply to cover my meds. <laughs> Get a job and then be able and then to work talk with to us. You on yeah. jeans. <laughs> that sounds like a totally solid plan. <laughs> totally, totally solid. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Alex and Ann, so much for joining me on the show. Listeners, next week is episode number 300, which is absolutely incredible. So be sure to tune in.